Welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. You've heard it before, here and elsewhere. In order to show up in relationship, you have to be able to show up for yourself. So what does it mean to actually be able to show up for yourself? On top of that, have you ever experienced a split between your head and your heart? And do you know how to heal it? I've heard time and time again with friends and clients that my heart wants one thing and my head wants another, but being able to feel like you're fully in alignment is not only possible, it's required for you to be able to be fully you in your life. Today's guest is Dr. Margaret Paul, psychologist and co-creator of Inner Bonding and the author of the book Inner Bonding. As you're about to find out, Inner bonding is a straightforward practice, which we're going to teach you how to do on this episode, that will help you heal the split between head and heart and give you the presence that you need to show up fully in relationship and in your life. It's helpful for addiction and depression, as well as breaking patterns of codependence and jealousy in relationship. Margaret is also offering a free signed copy of her book, Inner Bonding, to a lucky listener. So you can download the show guide at neilsatin.com slash innerbonding or text the word passion to the number 33444 and follow the instructions there to qualify. If you can't tell, I'm really excited about today's conversation. So Margaret Paul, thank you so much for joining us here on Relationship Alive today. You're welcome. I'm looking forward to it. I'm so excited for this conversation. I've been reading your book and and taking notes, and I, I realized at one point that there was just no possible way that we were going to be able to cover everything. So um, I want to talk about inner bonding, and I'm and obviously we're on relationship alive. We're going to talk about it in the context of relationships, but before we get there. Could you just give our listeners a sense of what does inner bonding mean? What are we talking about? Well, what we're talking about is learning how to truly connect um, with yourself inside, with your feelings, uh, with what I call your inner guidance, and to connect with your higher sense of guidance. Because we have a lot of guidance within us, and um, most people, you know, they stay up in their head. And they they don't know how to how to connect. That you know, many people have have learned to be up in their head to avoid the pain that they felt as they were growing up, and then they just stay there and they miss really what life is all about, what connection is all about with themselves. And of course, if they're not connected with themselves, then they're not going to be able to connect with others. So inner bonding is a six step pathway that really teaches people how to connect with themselves, um, how to love themselves rather than abandon themselves, and then how to share love with each other, how to connect with a higher source of love so that they get all filled up with love. You know, so many people in, in relationships, they go into relationships to get love rather than to share love. And uh, it's totally different. It's a totally different intention. And it makes all the difference in the world regarding relationships. Yeah, I was struck by the the way that you talked about how if you are abandoning, as you talk about in the book, your your inner child, and I think it will be important for us to 
to qualify what we mean by inner child because that's a term that's tossed around all over the place. And so I want to be really clear for our audience what we're talking about. But how if you if you go into a relationship as a child looking for an adult, then that's going to give you a completely different experience than if you're going in in that bonded state or navigating back to the bonded state over and over again when you're in a relationship. Well, exactly. We, we define the inner child as our core self, our essence, um, the, the part of um, our soul that is within the body, the spark of God within us, and it is our feeling self. It, it communicates very often through feelings, and so if we're numbing out our feelings by staying in our head or turning to addictions, uh, then we're missing that huge source of internal guidance, that internal GPS. And so when we talk about the inner child, we're referring to our true self, that essence, that beautiful essence that's within each of us. And is there a reason that you chose to call it a child versus just your inner essence? Yes, the reason we did is because people know that they're responsible for a child, but they often don't know that they're responsible for their feelings. And so for many people, thinking about being responsible for their feelings is, is kind of, uh, it's a hard concept for them. But if they think about being responsible for a child, that, that makes it a lot easier for them to understand what personal responsibility means. And how would you contrast that with the inner adult that I mentioned earlier? What part of us does that represent? Well, in the inner bonding process, um, there's only two intentions possible at any, at any given moment. One is the intention to protect against our painful feelings with some form of controlling behavior. Uh, and the other is the intention to learn about loving ourselves. And when we are in the intention to learn and we're connected with our higher guidance, whatever that is for a person, then that's when we're in the loving adult state. The loving adult is, is a connected aspect that is able to take action um, based on what's in our highest good. And we get the information of what's in our highest good from our higher guidance. And in the inner bonding process, we teach people how to connect to that source of love and that source of wisdom. So they don't feel like, you know, they have to make it up or they have to turn to others or they're just hanging out in life alone. They know that uh, they're always being guided in their highest good, supported in their highest good. And interestingly, the intention to learn about loving yourself, that, that particular intention is very, very powerful in, in opening us up to... Um, that higher wisdom. We, we access that higher wisdom um, when, we, um, when we're open, when we have a high frequency. Uh, that's what we call it, a high frequency. And frequency is the energy level at which we vibrate. And for example, a low frequency is anger or fear or judgment. And a high frequency is love and peace and joy. So when we move into an intention to learn about loving ourselves, we, we open ourselves up. And that creates a frequency that's high enough to connect with that higher source. And so when we're connected with that and we're open to learning, um, we are a loving adult. And something that I appreciated about what you wrote was 
that I think if you if you look at it as simply your inner adult and your inner child and um and that you know from that place you're supposed to be parenting your child that that um a lot of people I think in that situation would feel like well I don't I don't necessarily know how to be a good parent to my inner child. I mean, that's half the problem, right? Is that I, I didn't get the parenting that I needed when I was a kid. So I, I really appreciated how that's an important step of the process is identifying your adult as the, the part of you that that's responsible, that's making choices, that's taking action. And then also part of that responsibility is to turn to a source of wisdom that's greater than you for for an answer about what's what achieves the highest good here what is a loving what would be a loving action in this situation well that's exactly right because most of us uh, had did not have role modeling for loving ourselves you know if you look, if we look back at our parents they you know even if they were loving to us and many of them weren't but even if they were they might not have been loving to themselves and so we might not have received the role modeling that we needed and we certainly don't get it from the media very often <laughs> or other people. And so that's why it's so important to learn to turn to a source of higher guidance for that information. And that information is actually there. I mean, it's not, it's not really a hooey-wooey thing. It, it's right there for us. The, you know, the universe is, is not empty. It's filled with wisdom. And so when we know how to open to learning from that wisdom, we can receive the information about what's loving to us, about what it means to be a loving adult and take loving action in our own behalf. So why is this important in the context of relationship? Great question. <laughs> so, you know, if you come into a relationship disconnected from yourself, um, feeling empty, feeling unworthy, and then you expect this other person to give you your sense of worth and your safety and to fill you up. And that other person comes in in the same way because we attracted our common level of woundedness or our common level of health. So if we're abandoning ourselves and we feel empty and unworthy, we're going to attract somebody who's also abandoning themselves and feeling empty and unworthy. And then we're each going to expect the other person to love us in the way that we weren't loved or that we feel that we need to be loved and to fill us up and make us feel good about ourselves. Well, people do that at the beginning because they're on good behavior. But when they're not connecting with themselves and they're not loving themselves, they just become emptier and emptier and then they get very resentful uh, that the other person is not giving them what they need and they become more and more controlling to try and get love and avoid pain and feel safe with that person. And trying to control in a relationship is one of the main things that causes people to become distant, to fall out of love with each other. Nobody likes it when people try to control them, whether they do it with anger or withdrawal or compliance or resistance. There's so many ways of trying to control. And so um, the main cause of relationship problems is self-abandonment and the resulting controlling behavior that always comes from that. And so when people are learning to love themselves, when they practice inner bonding, uh, and they practice these six steps throughout a day, and they learn to bring love into themselves, they learn to define their own inner worth, 
and they learn to fill themselves up with love, then they go into a relationship to share their love, to learn and grow with each other, to have fun, to play, to have companionship, to support each other, to have each other's backs, to laugh, to cry, all the wonderful things that relationships offer. But that's completely different than going into a relationship feeling incomplete inside and hoping that this other person will complete you and make you feel like you're okay. Yeah. I'm wondering, um, what, you know, what about the person who says, you know, I don't, I don't feel unworthy. I don't feel unloved. I just want to have more sex with my partner. Well, you know, see, there's different levels of that. Okay. You know, if the person, um, wants sex and they're really coming from a very connected state and, uh, and you know and sex is a wonderful way in which they share their love then their partner would likely love that <laughs> but if they're wanting sex um, because that is how they feel worthy that is how they get connected and you know a lot of people you know especially men they get connected through sex but a lot of women um, have to feel connected first in order to have sex, and that becomes a problem. And so, it, you know, it, it, again, it depends upon the intention. Are they wanting sex because they want to get something, or are they truly filled up and they come to their partner and they'd like to have sex, but their partner is not in the mood, and they're still loving. They say, well, you know, let's just cuddle or let's just be close or I just love you and, and you know, let's just be together, and they're not mad or angry about it. Um, then they're they're not coming from uh, that needy place. But if they come for sex and their partner isn't interested and they get angry, that's not loving. That's not love to be angry at somebody who doesn't feel like having sex. That's controlling. And that's that's coming from neediness. Even if they say they're coming from love, um, getting angry at somebody who doesn't want to have sex is not loving. And so if they were really coming from love, they would be open to learning with their partner. They would say, well, honey, you know, there must be a good reason that you don't feel like having sex. I'd really like to understand, you know, is it that you're just tired or you're overworked or, or you know, or are you feeling distant from me or is there something going on between us? They would be interested. Um, but if they get angry, boy, that's a sign that uh, even though they say they're, they're feeling love, they're really not. They're feeling, they're coming from need, neediness. Yeah, perfect, perfect. And I, I liked how you articulated that that notion that sex as an expression of love is totally different than sex as a way to get love. Right. So I'm also curious about, uh, wow, there's just so much to talk about. And just for our listeners to know, like, I'm, I want us to get to the nitty gritty of, all right, how do we do this inner bonding? Um, before we do, just another another word on the the problems. Like when you when you're not inner bonded and you're in relationship, how does that amplify? So it may start as just you're trying to get your needs met by your partner, but let's say you're in the honeymoon phase of relationship, it doesn't matter so much because you're being bathed in all those neurochemicals. Mm -hmm. But you get to that point where the um, the dichotomy between narcissism and empathy starts to get wider and wider and wider versus people being in balance or power struggles come into play. Right. Um, so 
you know, what, what does it look like at the beginning when things might start to go awry, when you have just say two lovers who, who aren't necessarily fully in a committed relationship with each other versus where it can lead um, beyond that in terms of problems? Yeah, so let's say, for example, two people get together and they're, you know, they fall in love with each other and they're spending a lot of time together. And then let's say one day the the guy has said, you know, I'll call you at 5 o'clock and he doesn't call. And then he maybe he doesn't call till 6 or 7 o'clock. And let's say the woman starts to feel a little bit scared of rejection, like maybe something's wrong, and maybe she reacts to that, not from an adult with an intention to learn, which would be, you know, there must have been a good reason, and I, you know, I just like to understand, but maybe she's a little angry, maybe she's doing a little guilt trip. Now, if she does that because of her fear of rejection, then perhaps he has a fear of engulfment. Uh, you know, of losing himself. These are the bottom line fears, the fear of losing the other person and the fear of losing yourself. Perhaps um, he um, is starting to feel the bit of engulfment because she's angry, she's pulling on him, and um, so he may retreat more. And um, and the more he retreats, the, the more anxious she gets, and the more anxious she gets, the more controlling she gets. And the more controlling she gets, the more he retreats and withdraws. And now they're in a system that, of course, doesn't work well. And then they wonder what happened to all these wonderful in-love feelings. And this is a very common system that happens in relationships. Right. And that's when people start to think there's some fatal flaw in this relationship. And I'm out of here so I can just repeat the same thing with someone else. Right. So, and how would someone, what would the path back from something like that look like? So you're, you're on the edges of this escalating separation um, due to your, your seeking your needs being met in your partner and that being played against these base fears that you talk about. How does inner bonding come in to lead people back from that precipice? Well, I mean, that's exactly what they need to be doing. They each need to be practicing inner bonding um, so that they start to reconnect with themselves. They start to learn how to take loving care of themselves so that they're not getting angry or guilting or withdrawing, shutting down, um, or going into resistance. And so, for example, in a situation like this, um, if the woman was doing inner bonding, and she started to realize that she's getting anxious, instead of taking it out on her partner, she would go inside. She would do an inner bonding process, which would mean that she'd be embracing the feelings of anxiety. Um, she'd be moving into an intention to learn, becoming a loving adult, and dialoguing with the feelings themselves to find out what she's doing. Not what he's doing, but what is she telling herself? How is she treating herself? You know, is she telling herself, oh, well, you know, maybe I'm boring or, you know, he doesn't love me anymore because I'm not good enough or, you know, what's she telling herself that's creating these feelings of, of rejection and feelings of anxiety within? She would be taking responsibility for her own belief system and how she's treating herself. And then she would be willing to go to her higher guidance, her higher self for, you know, for the truth 
and um, and then move into taking loving action, which may be, like I said before, when he does call, she would, you know, say, you know, he said you'd call at 5 and you're calling at 7, and there must be a good reason, and, and she wouldn't be angry. She'd like to understand. Now, if he were um, doing inner bonding, um, and she, you know, was attacking him, you know, what's the matter? You said you call it five, you know, are you a flake or whatever, or, you know, you make me anxious when you do this. Mm-hmm. If, if he were doing inner bonding and he were developing a loving adult, instead of just shutting her out and withdrawing, he might say, you know, I'd be happy to talk about it, but I don't like being attacked. You know, I have good reasons for being late, and if you'd like to understand, that's fine. But if you're going to attack me and guilt me, then I'm not available to talk about it. Uh, so he would be taking care of himself. He wouldn't be defending or explaining. You know, this is what people do a lot. They they defend, they explain, and the other person doesn't even hear them because the fact is that when we've gotten triggered into our fears, into what we call the wounded self, which is the ego self, we don't actually hear other people. And so, you know, these two people are not going to hear each other. They're not going to get anywhere. It's going to get worse and worse. But if they were practicing inner bonding, they would be open to learning with each other, and they would be open to learning with themselves. And he might he might say to her, you know, um, there, is, there must be a good reason that you're attacking me. I'd like to understand what's going on for you. And if she's available, she could start to talk about it. And that's what brings people closer, when they're open to learning with each other not when they're blaming and attacking and defending and withdrawing and all that. And so as they practice inner bonding and develop their loving adult self, they're much more capable. They, they, they can remember to, to open to learning rather than just go into their learned protections. Yeah, and I think this brings us back to the very beginning of our conversation where we were talking about what inner bonding is. And so just to simplify for people, it's this capacity for developing an alignment between how you feel, how you're thinking, and then how you're acting in the world in a way that is open, open to learning, open to possibility is taking loving action. Did I summarize that okay? Yes, yes, that's, that, that's absolutely right. And you know, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of people that are on a spiritual path, um, and they they go up and they connect to spirit, and you know they kind of bliss out with that, but they never bring that connection down into their feeling self, and so this is called a spiritual bypass where they're they're up there you know in the stratosphere, but they're not bringing it inside and taking care of their own. Feelings. It would be like if a child came to you upset, and you're very busy meditating, and you're just, you know, gone, and here this child is crying and upset, but you're, you know, you're just too busy meditating, that's not good parenting. And the same thing happens on the inner level with a lot of spiritual people. They, they try all kinds of things to connect and be present with spirit, but not with themselves, not with their own feelings. They don't bring that love that they're tapping into down inside to themselves. In fact, many people will bring that love and compassion into their heart and they'll send it out to others without bringing it down into themselves. They have no compassion for themselves at all. And then 
because they're giving it to others, they expect others to give it to them. They're taking responsibility for other people. They expect other people to take responsibility for them, which is, of course, called a codependent relationship. (laughs) And then at some point, they get angry. They get upset because here they're giving, 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 and they're not getting anything back. But that kind of giving is also manipulative. That's caretaking. And that's giving yourself up. That's giving to get. And that doesn't work. It'll wear you out. It'll make you sick. It'll yeah. deplete you to do that. Yeah, and that the awareness that you have, a let's say, an uncomfortable emotion, and, and we probably all know people like this where they're feeling angry or sad and then they're just like, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go do yoga, you know, and, and that's very different. I mean, it might be a way of helping them navigate an uncomfortable place, but it's certainly not turning inward to address whatever is causing those feelings. And it sounds like what you're saying is that when you're addressing that inner feeling state, then that brings you to a place that's much more powerful in terms of how you're engaging with the world, in terms of how you're engaging with your own spiritual path. Um, yeah, oh, ab- absolutely, because our feelings have so much information for us. That That is our inner guidance, as I said earlier. And um, yeah, let me define that that we separate feelings into two different categories. Great. One is what we call wounded feelings. And the wounded feelings are the feelings that we cause by our own false beliefs, our own self-abandonment, our own rejection of ourselves. And this is the um, anxiety, depression, guilt, shame, anger, emptiness, aloneness. Now, um, some of these feelings like anxiety and depression can also be caused on the physical level. There's a lot of research on how an imbalanced gut um, sends toxicity into the brain and causes anxiety and depression. So self-abandonment is not the only cause on the emotional level. It may be on the physical level that we're also abandoning ourselves and causing ourselves these feelings. And then there's another category of feelings that are the feelings of life, the painful feelings of life. You know, somebody dies. You, you feel heartbroken. You feel helpless over the situation. You feel such deep grief. You feel so much loneliness. You feel loneliness when you want to connect to somebody and they're not available to connect to you. You you feel such, you know, heartbreak and sorrow when you see people hurting each other. That kind of core feeling, core painful feeling of life that we all felt, uh, we all experienced as we were growing up, but, but we were too little to manage these big, big feelings of heartbreak and helplessness and loneliness and grief. And so we had to learn ways to avoid them. We had to learn to abandon ourselves. We had to go up in our heads. And we had to learn to judge ourselves rather than feel our feelings. And we had to turn to various addictions. And we had to make others responsible. These are the major ways that we abandon ourselves in order to get through the painful feelings of childhood. But now we need to learn to lovingly manage these feelings. These feelings also have important information for us, but we don't want them to get stuck in the body. Stuck feelings can cause illness. If we don't deal with our loneliness and our grief and our helplessness over others and our heartbreak, um, those stuck feelings can make us quite ill and cause us a lot of internal pain as well. And so 
that's what, you know, most people have learned so many self-abandoning ways to avoid their core playful feelings. But with the inner bonding process, where we learn to open to the higher source of love and bring that love and compassion and gentleness and tenderness inside for these core painful feelings, then we don't have to go into our self-abandoning behavior, which is what creates all those wounded feelings. So all feelings have information for us. So when we're feeling anxious or we're feeling depressed or angry, we want to go in and say, how am I treating you? What am I telling you that's causing you to feel this way? What am I avoiding by um, by abandoning you? And there's so much information there. And so when, when people just, like you said, go to yoga, you know, there's nothing wrong with going to yoga. That may be the loving action. But that's a good thing to do after having explored the feelings, not instead of exploring the feelings. Right. And we've talked a lot on this show and other episodes about developing a feeling of curiosity for your partner, of compassion, of empathy, and and maybe an important step, or not maybe, it sounds like an important step is that you really need to come from a place where you've developed that compassion for yourself before you're going to be effectively compassionate for another person. Yes, that is exactly right. And that's why, that's why practicing inner bonding is so important. It's a very compassionate process. And it is about learning to connect to that source of love and compassion and bring that in for ourselves, for our own feelings. And then we can uh, share that with others in a very true, uh, loving way. You know, it's, it's my experience that, um, love and compassion These are not feelings that we actually generate within our being. They're feelings that we open to and allow in. That's what spirit is. Spirit is love and compassion and peace and joy. And when we open to that and we invite that in, that's when we're willing to bring that love and compassion down inside ourselves and do the learning we need to do and fill ourselves up so that we have love to share with others. You know, what, what happens, like I said before so often, is if we're, if we're sending that compassion out first instead of in first, we're creating a deep emptiness and aloneness inside. That, and we're going to eventually get really angry and depleted when we do that. Right. I think in your book you had a, a diagram of when your, your inner adult and inner child aren't united then it creates this big space that people are feeling are filling with whatever behavior is is helping them feel full but then once you unite them um the the desire for those kinds of behaviors it it doesn't even fill up have a place anymore in terms of how you feel within well well that's right and and so as people are you know they're addicted to food or alcohol or drugs or they're addicted to sex or to porn or they're addicted to approval or to anger or whatever they're addicted to. Um, when they start to learn how to fill themselves up with the love that they need, you know, the, the emptiness indicates a lack of love. That, that's what it's really indicating. It's not indicating a lack of alcohol or drugs or food or anything like that. It's indicating a lack of love. And so 
when people learn to bring that love inside, they find that these addictions just start to fall away. You know, it's not even hard at that point because they're they're no longer feeling <clears throat> the the emptiness that they were trying to fill up externally. Great. So let's let's get practical, and I um I want to just recommend to everyone your book Inner Bonding. It's so fantastic, not just for creating a deeper understanding of how the process works and helping you navigate through it, but also seeing how inner bonding can be useful in so many different situations with, with a lover, with your spouse, with your parents. Um, so it's, it's really comprehensive in terms of seeing how it applies as well as how to use it. Definitely recommend. And then Margaret also has... Um, a number of online courses and products that she offers through her site, which is innerbonding.com. There's a free seven-day course. We'll have a link to that on, on our site. Um, there's also a 30-day program um, that's all about loving yourself. And, uh, and then there are some products that are all related to relationships. So you can go to neilsatin.com slash innerbonding, and that will give you links to Margaret's site and all of these specific things, as well as her book on Amazon. And speaking of the book, Margaret has also generously offered to give away a free signed copy to a lucky listener. So if you download the show guide for this episode within the first week of its airing, or you text the word passion, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 within that first week, then that will qualify you to win that signed copy of Margaret's book, Inner Bonding. Um, and you can do either of those things. I mean, the show guide will always be there. You can always text PASSION to 33444 to get um, instructions on how to get the show guide for this and other episodes. So I wanted to let everyone know, know all of that. And now let's dive into, you said that Inner Bonding is... You said, I think, a six-step process in the book. Maybe it was only five steps, so maybe it's gotten even more advanced. Yes, well, that was actually the sixth step was in there, but I didn't know it yet. Oh, oh, great. Well, can, you, can we go through each of the steps and maybe take a few minutes to talk about what each one looks like? Right. So step one, um, you decide that you're willing to feel your feelings rather than continue to avoid them. Uh, by staying in your head and, you know, with various addictions. So you recognize that your feelings are informational and you become willing to feel them and and take responsibility for them. And so step one for many people is the hardest because in order to to take responsibility for your feelings, you have to be in your body. And I know for me, when I started doing inner bonding, I've been in my head. I was very tuned into other people's feelings, but not at all tuned into my own. And I was a big caretaker. I was always giving myself up to take care of others in the hopes that then they would love me. And then, of course, that didn't happen, and I got sick from it. Um, so step one is that you practice being in your body. You practice being present with your feelings, not not to wallow in them, not to just sink into them but that to become aware of them. Just like, you know, if you have a baby, you, um, you, you know, the baby's sleeping, you have a baby monitor on so that you, you're hearing the baby when the baby cries and you can pick the baby up and figure out what's wrong. Well, this is like having your inner baby monitor on where you're, you're tuned in, you're present in your body. And for many people, that takes a lot of practice. 
So step two then is once you're aware that you have some some feeling other than peace inside, then you move into your heart and you consciously choose the intention to learn about loving yourself and you invite the presence of spirit, of, of love and compassion into your heart so that you become that loving adult self. And then in step three, you have a dialogue, uh, like you're talking to an actual child and you're saying, sweetie, um, I can feel that you're really angry right now. And I know there must be a good reason. And, um, you know, is there, is there something I'm doing? Are you angry at me? Is there some way that I'm not taking care of you? What am I telling you? How am I treating you? Or, or whether it's depression or, or anxiety or emptiness, whatever the wounded feeling is, or, or the core feeling. And we would be saying, you know, what's happening between you and this other person? Or what's happening at this situation that's causing you to feel this way? So we're open to learning. We do a dialogue. We let the feeling self answer. We don't answer from our head. Um, we do an actual dialogue out louder in writing, and we're, we're on a search for understanding how we're treating ourselves or, or what's happening externally. And if it's a wounded feeling, you know, that we're, let's say, you know, we're feeling anxious and the child says, well, you're, you're pressuring me. You're telling me that I've got to be perfect and you're judging me as not being good enough. And so then we would tune into, you know, as I said, what we call the wounded self, which is the part of us that is at the base of the brain in a place called the amygdala where the fight-and-flight mechanism is, and that's where the false beliefs are. And so then we would explore, um, where did we get this belief, you know, that we're inadequate or unlovable or that we have to be perfect or we have to always do things right or, or you know, whatever the belief is. And, um, and we explore that and we explore wh- what, what's the point? What do we hope to gain uh, from doing this, from judging ourselves or from from turning to addictions, staying in our head, from making others responsible. What do we hope to gain? What are we avoiding? What are we trying to control? So there's a lot to explore in step three. And once we get a clear picture, then we go to step four. And we're asking basically two questions. What is the truth about any of the beliefs that I've uncovered? And what is the loving action? What is in my highest good? And we learn to open and and receive that information. And once we receive it, then we move to step five, and we take the loving action based on the truth. And so um, without the loving action, without step five, the other four steps don't mean much because, you know, that would be like, let's say, a child coming to you hungry, and, and you look at the child and you smile and you say, thank you for sharing, but you don't get the child food, it wouldn't mean anything. And so we have to take loving action based on what we're hearing from our higher selves. And once we take the loving action in step five, then we go back in. Step six is kind of like step one. It's a full circle where we go back in and we see how are we feeling now. If we feel a sense of relief, if we feel a lightening up of our energy, um, if we feel release inside, we feel, you know, less shame, less emptiness, then we know that we've taken a loving action in our own behalf. And if we don't, then we go back uh, to step four to look for another loving action until we 
get that sense of relief inside. Do you recommend that people go through this process, like that they take space to go through it if you're, you know, if you're in a situation with your partner and things kind of flare up or whatever, or that, or is it something that you would actually go through like right there with them? No, actually, if, if both people are flared up, it means that they're both in their wounded self. And it, it's not going to do any good at all to try and do it there with the partner. I suggest people have an agreement that when they're, you know, when they're riled up and they're not getting anywhere, that they take 15, 20 minutes. You know, one person can say, let's take a 15, 20 minute break. They go off, they do their own inner bonding process and they tune into what they're doing, not what the partner's doing, but what they're doing and what's gotten triggered and what their fears are and what their beliefs are. And, and then once they really get a clear picture, then they can come back and share that with each other. That creates a lot of intimacy, is to share our own learning. But it doesn't create intimacy to try to point things out to the other person. Most people don't like that, and that's quite controlling. But to do our own work and come back and share that, um, that's what can lead to resolution. Um, resolution of conflict, it actually happens easily when both people are open to learning. But if one or both are close and in their ego wounded self, they're not going to get anywhere because that, that part of us is just interested in winning or not losing and trying to be safe. It, it, it's not interested in true learning and resolution. How would you suggest that, so if, if one half of a couple is listening to this episode, how might they enlist their partner in, in a conversation about getting on board with doing this process? Well, there's a number of ways. I mean, some people just aren't going to be interested at all. And if you know they're not going to be interested, you just do your own work. Because sometimes just doing your own work can have a huge positive effect on a relationship because a relationship is a system. When one person changes their end of the system, the whole system changes. But if you think that your partner is going to be available, then, you know, go to our website, download the free course. Um, that's a great way to get into it. We have a, a two-hour intro video that goes over the inner bonding process. That's a, that's a great way to get into it. And so it just depends on, you know, whether you think your partner will be open to this or not. But there are, or, or to read the book, you know, Inner Bonding, or Do I Have to Give Up Me to Be Loved by God? These will all be very helpful in learning the inner bonding process. But if you know that your partner is just not going to be interested, that he or she is going to go into resistance, that, you know, they're going to put you down or tell you, oh, you're off on some other hooey-wooey thing or whatever, you know, don't give me that psychobabble, you know, if you know that that's going to happen, then just do your own work. And, and you know, that can be extremely powerful in shifting a system. Um, however, you know, I always warn people that when you're going to do your own work without your partner, you don't know what direction it's going to go in. You know, it could get way better and it could get worse. But in either case, there's going to be change. And if it gets a lot worse, then that may be an indication that it's just not the right relationship for you. Right. And if it gets worse, it's getting worse, not from a place of escalating dysfunction, but from from at least one of you becoming more and more functional and upsetting right. the cart from, the, from yeah, that perspective. Yeah. 
Right, because you got together, like I said, at your common level of woundedness. If one person is moving towards health and the other person refuses to do that, then, of course, it might get a lot worse. And then, you know, that relationship might not survive. Yeah. I, one thing that I was wondering about uh, when I was reading the book was when you're in a situation where one person, let's say, is feeling hurt and they what wasn't completely clear to me was how would you know when it's a time to separate and attend to your inner child versus like that partner saying, you know, I could really just use some tenderness right now and and offering the tenderness being um, being a healthy thing. Yeah, well, you know, let me let me say that there's two kinds of hurt and that makes all the difference. Um Great. There's hurt feelings, which we feel hurt feelings generally because we're telling ourselves some lies. We're telling ourselves that um, we're not good enough, or we should have done this, or we should have done that, or it's all my fault, and and uh, you know I'm I'm not I'm not handsome enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not smart enough, and that's going to really hurt your feelings. But then there's what I call hurt heart, which is your partner is just being unloving to you, and that is definitely going to hurt your heart. Now, when the heart, when the feelings are hurt, you need to go off and do an inner bonding process and, and see what you're doing to cause that. But when your heart is hurt, um, it's, it's really important to speak up for yourself, to say to your partner, you know, that, that really hurts my heart. Uh, that, you know, that just feels very unloving. It hurts my heart. And I'm wondering if we can talk about it. I'm wondering if, if you're open to learning about what's going on here. Um, if the partner is, then great. Then that tenderness can be there. But very often, if somebody is hurting your heart, uh, unfortunately, they're not going to be open to knowing that. And so trying to reach out for that comfort or tenderness um, isn't going to be helpful. Now, if your heart was hurt like at work, for example, and you come home and you say to your partner, oh, my heart is just really hurting. I feel so hurt by what happened. I, I need a big hug. Of course, that's part of what a loving relationship is all about, is being there for each other. It, it's not about dumping our feelings on the other person, but it is about asking for support and caring um, as as we learn to manage our own feelings. So it... If how about in the other end where let's say two people are both on board with inner bonding, what's a good way for them to support each other in that process? To you know, like wow, it seems seems like you could go have that conversation with your inner child about now, or like you know, what are some good ways for them to support each other? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they could say that. They could say, you know, you you seem upset. Um, would you like my help in going inside? I'm here for you. You know, would holding you help? you know, to, to go in and see what's really going on. I love you, um, and I want to be here for you. You know, that's wonderful. That's fantastic when people can be there for each other in that way. And it, it's, it's not so much the words. People get hung up on the words. But the fact is that when the intention is loving, when the intention is to learn, that that's what comes through. It, it's the energy that people pick up. They could say the exact same words, but if their intention is to control, then that other person is not going to feel uh, supported, That you know, not going to feel the love coming through them. So 
we can't hide our intention. Um, in fact, you know, here's an example of that where one of my clients was feeling very hurt by um, a situation that had nothing to do with her husband. It was a, an outside situation. And her husband came and put her hand on her shoulder and said, you know, I'm here for you. I'd like to support you. But to the woman, it, it felt yucky because in her experience, her husband was always wanting sex. And he would use any vulnerable opportunity to try and get her to have sex with him, even saying that he would be there for her when she was hurting. And so she picked up the energy of his wanting something from her rather than his giving something to her, even though the words um, sounded supportive. So it, it's really all about energy, and people need to learn to trust themselves. That, that's a big part of what happens with inner bonding. So many of us, um, we're, we're taught not to trust what we're picking up regarding energy. And uh, we were told, and I was told all the time, well, don't be ridiculous. You know, that, that what I was experiencing, what I was seeing was wrong and ridiculous. And so, of course, I learned not to trust what I was picking up. And then I had to relearn that. And so that's what inner bonding, one of the things inner bonding does for people is it helps them start to trust their own inner knowing and what they're picking up so that if somebody says to you, I'm here for you, but they're really saying it from a manipulative place, you're going to pick up the energy of that and trust that rather than dismiss it. Right. And so that's a perfect example of how if you're someone who is offering support and it's not being met with receptivity, then that would be an indication that your own work with inner bonding could get you to a place where you could actually offer that support from a more genuine place, a place that was more trustable. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, most of us have had the experience of somebody coming to give us a hug, for example. And there are some hugs that feel extremely nurturing. You know, like the person is just a channel for love, and we feel bathed in love with the hug. And then there's hugs that feel like they're sucking the life out of you, <laughs> and they feel terrible. It's the exact same action, but they feel completely different depending on that where that person is within themselves and their intention. So when it feels like it's sucking the life out of you, that person is not hugging you to give to you. That person is hugging you to get from you, and that feels terrible. I'd like to talk about just two big, two potentially really big problems in a relationship. One of those is jealousy, mm-hmm. and the other is what would you do if you come across like a really big feeling? Like we've talked actually a lot on this show about trauma in our episode with Wendy Maltz or actually we spoke with Diana Richardson who's a Tantra teacher um, but she was also talking about sex in many ways being traumatizing just the way it's done for women and um, and so I think a lot of people they have this fear of well I don't I don't know if I really want to ask my inner child what's going on because it's so big it's like such a big problem that I'm struggling with so First jealousy, and then what do you do when, when it's a really big feeling? Okay. 
So jealousy is another wounded feeling. And jealousy is uh, a feeling that comes from telling ourselves lies about ourselves. I'm not good. I'm not as good as that person. I'll never be good enough. Um, he or she finds me boring or he or she finds me unattractive or you know, something like that. There's a judgment going on on the inner level. This person has not learned to define their own beautiful essence. They don't know who they are in their essence. They think that they are their wounded self and they think they're not good enough. So, of course, if their partner then even glances at someone else, it's going to trigger their own internal self-abandonment, and that would be the source of jealousy. And so, again, if they were to practice inner bonding and learn to really get to know who they really are in their beautiful divine essence, there's no way that they would feel jealous over somebody else. They would know that they are a unique expression of the divine and that if this person loves them, they love them because of that and that that's 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 not easy to let go of when people see and know each other's essence. I mean they can look at somebody else or spend time with somebody else, but it's not gonna replace what two people have with each other when they really connect with each other's essence. Now the other issue about the feeling being too big See, that's the thing, is that people have not learned to manage big feelings. They don't know how to do it. And that's one of the things that they learn in inner bonding. Because first of all, we cannot manage big feelings without a spiritual source of love. We just can't. It's not possible to manage them without that source. And very often, we need um, another person or other people to help bring that through to us when there's been a lot of trauma. And I don't suggest that people, if they've had a lot of trauma in their background or they, they're getting traumatized uh, by a situation, you know, such as sex, they, they need to get help. Um, while inner bonding is a self-help process, it doesn't mean that we can always do it alone. And we need help and support when there's trauma. And fortunately, there are many good trauma therapies out now. There's the emotional freedom technique, which is... Is the tapping on the acupuncture meridians, there's the TRE, the, the trauma release exercises, which helps you go into tremors and release old, old trauma. There's somatic experiencing and EMDR, which, um, you need to do with a facilitator. All of these are, and there's more, all of these are very helpful in helping to release old trauma out of the body. But, and the caveat is here, is that if you continue to abandon yourself, you're going you're gonna to re-traumatize yourself. And so I always suggest if there's a lot of trauma, that people get some trauma therapy along with their inner bonding practice. But they need to be developing that loving adult self so that they're not giving themselves up. They're not disconnecting from themselves and re-traumatizing themselves. And I've worked with people with the deepest, deepest, deepest of pain who have been so unbelievably hurt and traumatized and abused. And they do learn to manage it, not by themselves. You know, when they get held in love uh, with somebody who can bring that through and help them to connect on that level with that love within themselves and love with spirit, um, they learn to open to that and it gets released out of their being. 
And I, I like to think of partnership too as a, a healing journey for the, the people who are in relationship with each other. And, and I imagine that there must be some way that a partner, if you, if you know that you're, that your significant other is going through an interbonding process and it's around a big heavy feeling, um, is there a way as a partner that you can show up there? Oh, absolutely. One of the most healing experiences in the world, this has been proven with research over and over again, is just being held with love. And so, you know, a partner is an ideal person to hold somebody who's having a really, really hard time, to hold somebody, to wrap their arms around them, to say, I'm here, you're not alone, I'm not going to let you go, you don't have to go through this alone, and to just let their beloved partner know that they're with them, that they're there, and they're going to help them through it. That's one of the huge, huge perks of being in a relationship, in a loving relationship, is being able to be there for each other in that way. Um, if there's trauma or if there's just, you know, challenging life situations, you know, sometimes people haven't had trauma in the past, but let's say they have one one of the worst traumas that there is, like losing a child. And, um, you know, when they can be there for each other, very often losing a child tears apart a relationship because they don't know how to be there for themselves and they don't know how to be there for each other. But when they can be there for each other, even that horrible trauma, they can learn to manage that and move through it. Well, thank you so much for offering such an amazing articulation of how that's possible. And not only in that moment around how to be a supportive partner, but also overall your, um, your work with inner bonding. It's just such a powerful tool for people to come into contact with themselves and really be able to show up fully in relationship. And that's what we talk about over and over again on this show is finding ways to be more fully you so that you can choose more fully to actually be alive in relationship with your with your partner. So thank you so much, Margaret Paul, for your contribution with Inner Bonding. And I encourage everyone to visit her site, innerbonding.com, or to visit neilsatin.com slash innerbonding for a link to the show notes for this episode. Um, you can also always text the word passion, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444. And uh, yes, thank you so much, Margaret Paul, for being on today's show. Neil, you're very, very welcome. It was a pleasure. You are an excellent interviewer. Thank you for saying so. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to another episode of Relationship Alive. If you like what you've heard and want to make it easier for other people to find out about us, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have questions or comments or want to continue the conversation, you can always join our Relationship Alive community Facebook group. And for more information about today's episode, visit us online at neilsatin.com slash podcast. Or you can always text the word passion, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 for more information. Finally, do you have a burning question that you're hoping we can have answered here on Relationship Alive, either for a future or past guest? Let me know and I'll see what I can do. 
take care and see you next time.